1: Today, Natchez, Mississippi, is one of America's oldest surviving settlements. With a population of about 15,000, it has achieved national recognition for its many successful attempts at historic preservation, boasting the presence of over 1,000 structures currently listed on the National Register of Historic Places. But in the early 19th century, the city of Natchez was a bustling port and key location in the old Southwest's flourishing cotton economy, a direct result of the settlement's strategic placement on a bluff overlooking the Mississippi River, chosen by its French founders in 1716. Numerous affluent American cotton planters flocked to the burgeoning city, to make it home and by the beginning of the Civil War there were more millionaires per capita in Natchez than any other city in America Of course these titans of cotton were the upper echelons of southern society the aristocracy and many were known to flaunt their wealth constantly competing with each other to build and maintain the most extravagant homes filled with grand furnishings imported from Europe. And one of these men was Dr. Nutt, a man who dreamed of building a home that would be seen as a true architectural wonder. Unfortunately, the onset of the Civil War put a halt to the construction of this palatial home. Which would tragically become known as Nuts Folly. A perfect metaphor for the grand rise and harsh fall of the antebellum era of Southern opulence. My name is Brandon Schecksnyder, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. Dr. Holler Nutt was born at Laurel Hill Plantation in Jefferson County, Mississippi on February 17, 1816. He was the son of physician and planter, Dr. Rush Nutt and Eliza Kerr. Given the family's wealth, Holler not only studied at the University of Virginia from 1832 to 1835, but was also educated in the business and economics of how to own, operate, and manage a plantation. Then, in 1840, he married Julia Augusta Williams. Julia also came from an established family of wealthy cotton planters, and was born at Routhland Plantation in Natchez, Mississippi. Over the following years, through both family inheritance and outright purchasing, Dr. Holler-Nutt owned and operated five plantations total, three in Louisiana, named Araby, Evergreen, and Winter Quarters, and two in Mississippi, Cloverdale, and Laurel Hill, the plantation where he had been born. Nutt's practical education had paid off and he became well-known for his ability to make money. In fact, it was through his own agricultural research that Dr. Nutt developed a new strain of cotton ideal for growth in the Lower Mississippi Valley, a hybrid of Egyptian and Mexican cottons. This new strain became a catalyst for the region's growing dominance in the 19th century global cotton market. Then in the late 1850s, Holler Nutt purchased land in his wife's hometown of Natchez, Mississippi, where he planned to use this considerable wealth to build a grand mansion where he and Julia's growing family could reside. Unfortunately, the architectural wonder that Dr. Nutt had planned would never be entirely completed. To build his grand mansion, Nutt hired Samuel Sloan, a leading Philadelphia architect who specialized in Italian style villas and country houses, along with churches and institutional buildings. Sloan was also the author of several architecture books, one of which Nutt was known to have owned, The Model Architect, published in 1852, and included an illustration of a grandiose octagonal house called the Oriental Villa. It was this home that served as the inspiration for and initial concept of what would become Longwood Mansion. The residence was designed to be four stories tall with a basement and featured a large octagonal shaped hall complete with an ornamental fountain to serve as the centerpiece for the likewise octagon-shaped building. The home was to be crowned with a Byzantine Moorish-inspired onion-shaped dome, and when completed, Longwood would boast 30,000 square feet of living space, including a total of 32 rooms, 26 fireplaces, 115 doors, and 96 decorative columns. Sloan made two trips to Natchez in January and May of 1860 to discuss the planned structure and requirements for building. By February, bricks were being made on site in preparation, and in March, workers consisting of 15 men and eight boys began tearing down the old house that previously stood on the property before excavating the ground for the new mansion's foundations. Longwood would require roughly 120,000 feet of lumber and 80,000 feet of lathing, which were prepared by a local Natchez sawmill. Bricks were made on site, with upwards of a million required to complete the task, and all other construction materials, including window frames, doors, brackets, blinds, columns, and marble, were sent in from Philadelphia. By March 1860, Samuel Sloan's architectural plans were completed, and the design of Longwood was even larger and more ornate than the oriental villa which had inspired it. Addison Hutton, a carpenter from Philadelphia, was hired to oversee the project, and over the next few months, hired artisans arrived in Natchez to begin work. Unfortunately, progress on the mansion did not last long and would soon be halted. On January 9, 1861, the state of Mississippi seceded from the Union. With war looming, Sloan's Philadelphia workmen were eager to finish their work and leave the South in favor of their Northern homes. Four bricklayers were the first to leave in March, and it was at this point that Dr. Nutt wrote to Sloane to discuss the progress that had been completed thus far, notifying him that the roof was ready for tinning. The finish is all painted, sanded, and up, the dome complete. It is creating much admiration now. I think after this the octagon will be the style. Confident in the glory of his future home, but always wanting to have the best, Holler also added, you must get up some other designs on patterns of this style, model them so as not to be so large or expensive. But over the following months, workmen and artisans continued to leave the project, either for the safety of the North or to join the Union Army. By August, as the roof was in the process of gaining tin, some feared the Yankee workers would be attacked. So by September, the final two men, a tinner named Walters and a carpenter named Smith, left Natchez for the north, and construction on Longwood Mansion officially ceased, with largely only the outer shell of Dr. Nutt's envisioned mansion completed. <laughs> next year, in an effort to make the home usable for his family anyway, Dr. Nutt used his slaves to complete the rooms located on the basement level of the property, allowing the family to move into Longwood in 1862. From its original grandly designed interior of 32 rooms, only these nine rooms in the basement where the family resided were ever completed. It is said that Dr. Holler Nutt proudly believed that once the war was over, he could once again resume construction on his grand vision. Unfortunately, this would never come to pass. It's estimated that prior to the war, in 1860, Dr. Nutt was making a net profit of $228,000 from his various agricultural enterprises. He owned approximately 43,000 acres of land, including his five plantations, which were worked by approximately 800 slaves. Altogether, his total assets are estimated to be about $3 million, roughly $93.5 in today's currency. But in spite of Dr. Nutt's education, business acumen, and extensive wealth, nothing could save him from the impact of the Civil War. The physical destruction wrought on his numerous properties and plantation fields, along with the expropriation of supplies by both the Union and Confederate armies, caused a significant cash flow problem. And this limitation of readily available funds resulted in foreclosure on nuts plantations across the river in Louisiana. Being a careful businessman, he took note of each and every asset lost as a result of the Union Army, hoping that one day these records as well as his continued loyalty to the Union, would give him the opportunity to receive reparations from the United States government. Among the assets listed was much of the furniture intended to fill Longwood. The wealthy family purchased numerous high-end items from countries across Europe. These purchases were then shipped across the Atlantic to make their way up the Mississippi River by steamboat To Natchez, but the war brought with it port blockades and shipment seizures along the delivery route. Thus, numerous goods never arrived at their destination. So the completion of Dr. Hollernut's grand vision seemed less and less likely with each passing month, and his unfinished mansion became derisively known around the city of Natchez as Nutt's folly. (laughs) Then, on June 14th, 1864, Dr. Holler Nutt died of pneumonia, although some claimed it was a broken heart over the lost dream of Longwood that actually killed him. But Longwood's story does not end with Holler. After his death, his widow Julia and their children remained in the home. Of course money was tight, and the remaining Nut family plantations were much less productive and lucrative than they were before the war. So Julia was eventually forced to sell off her late husband's property, piece by piece in order to care for her children and pay taxes on the estate where she lived for three more decades until her death in 1897. Over the course of her life, Julia fought hard to receive reparations for the family's losses in the war and even made an attempt to complete Longwood. But no additional construction commenced and Julia Nutt was unable to fulfill her husband's vision. Yet the descendants of Holler and Julia continued to live at Longwood Mansion, inhabiting the nine unfinished basement rooms for the next century. It was not until the 1960s that Longwood would leave the Nutt family. For years, the property had been a struggle to maintain financially. And as a result, the unfinished structure had begun to show signs of age and neglect. So preservationists purchased the mansion, viewing its incompletion as an attraction rather than a negative, hoping to return this skeleton that had been constructed to its pre-war glory. Longwood was then donated to the Pilgrimage Garden Club, who still preserve and maintain the property today, keeping it open to visitors as a museum and historic site. And it was designated as a National Historic Landmark and added to the National Register of Historic Places on December 19, 1969. Today, Longwood is one of Mississippi's most popular tourist destinations. Visitors to the property are given a glimpse into the past, a mansion frozen in time. Though the basement rooms are still filled with the furnishings, once owned by the Nutt family, The rest of Longwood still remains an incomplete shell of what it was once imagined to be. Its upper floors still retain the skeletal look of exposed bricks and bare wooden beams. And on these unfinished floors, remnants of Longwood's construction still remain. Tools, building materials, and paint buckets stay right where they had been left by the northern workers who abandoned its construction. Parts of columns also lie on the floor, unfinished, waiting for these workers who left over a century and a half ago and never returned. But of course, with such a uniquely eerie backdrop, there have been reports of ghostly sightings at the mansion. Dr. Holler Nutt, his wife Julia, and their children have all been purportedly seen in this unfinished shell of a home. The full-body apparition of a woman in a pink hoop skirt, assumed to be Julia, has been seen on the staircase by visitors to Longwood. Some have even claimed the spirit of the family matriarch is followed by the scent of either her perfume or fresh roses. For it is said that Julia Nutt adored the flower and maintained an extensive rose garden on the property. In contrast, Holler's spirit tends to be seen outside of the home. Several stories of his full-body apparition, completely dressed in his antebellum clothing, have been told. But most notably, a tour guide at Longwood has claimed the eerie experience of lights flickering after she made an unintentional error in her description of Longwood to guests later attributing the occurrence to the still-proud spirit of Dr. Nutt, a man who dreamed that Longwood would be the most extravagant and enviable home possible. He hoped it to be a spectacle, and although it was and never will be completed, it still is truly a sight to behold. Today Longwood is the largest octagonal house in the country, and because of the mansion's Byzantine Moorish architectural style that was selected over the more common Greek revival that so typifies grand antebellum architecture, Longwood is absolutely one of a kind, a magnificence that never came to be, a broken dream lost to war, and a home frozen in time. My name is Brandon Shecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic.
0: Southern Gothic is an independently produced podcast created by siblings, Brianne and Brandon Shecksneider, with the support of listeners like you if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to receive even more content including ad-free episodes head over to our patreon page today the link is in the show notes lucky lady shacks
1: hello my name is matt host of the pirate history podcast pirates rank among the most mythologized and romanticized of all historical figures it can become easy to forget that pirates were real people that had real-world concerns. If you like tales of high-seas adventure, daring do, and also want to learn more about who Blackbeard supported to be king, you can learn more about all of that at the Pirate History Podcast.
0: All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History Podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts.